0: hello everyone and welcome to discussing trek today we are reviewing star trek prodigy season one episode six kobayashi thank you for subscribing what we do here on this podcast is review each episode of star trek in somewhat excessive detail in addition to talking all things trek like always i'm your host clarence and i'm joined by my fellow co-host slash trekkies starting with none other than cal jones how you doing man
1: you know what i am doing well and i hope you are doing the same Indeed, sire. Indeed. And also on the
0: podcast returning, we have Jonathan Shorts. How you doing, dude?
2: I am good, man. Good, good, good. Glad to be back. Sorry I missed you guys on the last one, but I am excited to talk about this new episode of Prodigy. Well, let's get right into
0: it. Star Trek Prodigy Kobayashi was written by Aaron J. Walk while the episode was directed by Alan Wan. As Gwen struggles to find her role aboard the USS Protostar, Dow tests his leadership skills in the newly discovered holodeck.
2: Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand the battle stations.
0: i gives give you the right. You
2: cannot destroy an am At ease before you sprain something.
0: Like always, we go to Cal Jones for the beats of the episode. Sometimes serious, sometimes comedic, you never know. Cal Jones, what do you have for us, sir?
1: Oh, come on. If you're going to ask me to do that, I'll need some coffee first.
2: (laughs) (laughs) There's coffee in that nebula. Yes, indeed.
1: But seriously, other than that, I do actually have something. So here we go. While language is more than translation, this episode virtually needs no interpretation. The episode singularly showcases why members of the Federation and Starfleet, they may not be, that this crew belongs in the upper decks.
2: All right, all right. John, high level thoughts, sir. Can I just say too short? This is a great episode. And just like the previous Prodigy episodes, they're so good. I hate to see them end. And like they do a wonderful job with 30 minutes or 29 minutes or whatever the case may be. But man, I just I really enjoyed it. Um, We got a lot of character building, which I appreciate it. We got a lot of insight into the crew a bit. Just overall good, man. I I can't find a fault in it, which I'm sure talking with you guys, we may find one or two.
0: Kyle, do you have any additional thoughts before I give mine?
1: Yes. For anyone listening, take your podcast player, rewind your podcast player about 45 seconds, play again, and that is what I have as additional thoughts. Well said, Jonathan Shorts.
2: Thank you, sir.
0: Yeah. And for me, I think my thoughts are going to surprise you guys. The first time watching this episode, i felt like it was disjointed i didn't get all of the good nuggets out of it because honestly i was so thrown off by a certain part of it which we'll talk about but they they went at the nostalgia strings they went at growth for doll as well as giving us a lot of backstory that i think we can ponder in theory a lot on so yeah again first time watching it i was very low on this episode and wow. It, 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 if not for talking to our friend Tasha Pierce from from after the snap YouTube channel <laughs> and, and our merry friends over there, I may not be as high on this episode, honestly. Really? But but maybe you guys can talk me up even further because, man, I came away from this first viewing of just so discombobulated with what we saw on screen. I mean,
2: I, I'm, I'm anxious to hear your opinions on it, Clarence, but. I just think the one part where we got the cameo, there's two cameos that just made it great for me. The show could have been crap. It really could have been crap. <laughs> but from that, like it got top
1: rates for me. So before you give the reasons why you may not have been synced before, I'm going to make a educated guess. And I'm just going to say it's just a stab. It may be wrong. But I'm wondering if recent... Well, let me say this. This episode did jump around a bit, and I'm wondering if you had a little bit of watcher reflux, nope well, literally pun intended, from bouncing around stories recently with Doctor Who flux that might have had a subconscious not liking to this. Maybe? And honestly, I would love us to take this review
0: in that fashion. Let's bounce around to different points. We don't have to be linear, but I don't think that bothered me. I felt like each of the stories we got were straightforward. And let's just get right into it. So we go to the holodeck for the first time and Dahl discovers the Kobayashi Maru. Now, while I thought the visuals were top notch and let's just go ahead and say I love seeing her, I love seeing Crusher, Odo, Spock, Scotty, the voices for the legacy characters, Although nostalgic and meaningful and a love letter, it just threw me out of the episode. (sighs) Mainly because of the quality of it. Now, Odo's wasn't so bad. Odo's wasn't so bad. But all of the TOS characters, the quality of the voice just threw me off completely. And, And in my opinion, it got even worse when we got to the end where Spock is giving these heartfelt messages to Dahl, which all made sense and were poignant for the character but it just cut to so many different noticeable takes from spock over the years and none of them sound in in sync I i love what they were going for i love what they were going for definitely a love letter but it just threw me out it threw me out
2: man that's why i loved it like especially odo's part when he said he was going to give his resignation, like I, it immediately took me back to that scene of him standing in Cisco's office, like those cuts. Like I, and I know they could have done those a lot better. But like you said, it was a love letter. But I think it worked for me. And the worse it got, the better it was for me, because it just made me flash back to each of those scenes and reminiscing not only the character, but the actor in that moment. And that's what I loved
1: it for. So I'm going to take it in a different direction. While I didn't love it, I did not notice the bad quality and could be perhaps because of my hearing that I did not notice the bad quality. I'd, I thought it was just as good as any of the other voices. So literally, I didn't detect any of what you guys were just talking you about. Know, you
2: know why, Why Kyle? I'm just going to take a guess on it. Is because like for myself and more than likely Clarence as well. And for the same reason, I loved it. Like when I would hear that voice, like I said, it took me directly back to that scene in the episode. So, like, I, I don't know how I could explain it. And maybe you just have to watch it enough to get it. Like
1: there was no question for me that like I could hear that scene. No, I know exactly where you're coming from, because there were scenes right around the Doctor Who 50th where we would hear things from doctors past or episodes past. And I went immediately into that moment. So I I know exactly where you're coming from.
2: And if you and if you hadn't been a fan and you don't really you can't play scenes from the sound of of the voice in a line like then, like you say, it's just it sounds normal to you. But True. for Clarence and I, we're hearing, and I loved it. He didn't. But like when we hear it, we obviously know that it's a cut from another yeah. scene in Trek. And, you know, that bothered Clarence. But to me, I mean, especially because these are actors that we love so much that we've recently lost. I just thought it was
1: a cherry on top. And again, I totally see your point and agree with your point. I'm just saying more so that I didn't detect a quality difference. The thing that I did focus on, however, and this is in no disrespect whatsoever to Leonard Nimoy, but I was paying more attention to Spock not on the quality, but trying to determine is this Ethan Peck or is this Leonard Nimoy? And whenever I realized it was Nimoy, I was like... I really think it should have been Ethan Peck. Oh, this no. is what I wanted to get into. But, but, no. but, but
0: before, we, before we dive in real quick, I will say uh we did get this great shout out at the end. Of course, uh, Rene Audubon, J- uh, James Duhon, Leonard Nimoy are no longer with us anymore. And, you know, we got this very nice in in memory of yes. those, you know, who inspires to go boldly at the very end of the episode. But. On that point, if they would have put in Ethan Peck or would have put in the new Yuhura or put in, you know, somebody else for Odo. Again, I don't think Odo's was that bad, but I think the TOS characters, the voice was pretty choppy. But I think it would have been an outrage. They would have burned down Star Trek. If they would have did that.
2: Yeah, it, it would have been that would have been terrible. Like that would have made I would have hated this episode if it hadn't have been those. But I'm going to tell you the, the spot, the spot lines. And because he had so many more lines than the others, you could tell the difference. But what I also enjoy, each line was from a different episode. And yeah. also you could, you could hear the, the growth of Leonard Nimoy through those lines. Like, and, you know, it's just the growth of his character in in the original series. Like he, some of it was his early lines. Some of it was his later lines. And you can kind of hear the growth of Leonard Nimoy, uh, like growing into that character. Like and that's something else that made it great for me. But like you said, Clarence, it, it would make it hard to follow because at the end it was more like it wasn't a conversation. It was like somebody had a recorder and they were just like insert clip here. Play Stop, insert clip here, play. Like, it it was choppy.
1: It was like the greatest hits tour, kind of. Yeah. So here's what I would have done if I were writing this. I would have had some of those scenes at the beginning, because this is a holodeck, right? I would have had some of these scenes at the beginning, younger Spock, Ethan Peck, then maybe toward Mm. the end, look older Spock, Leonard Nimoy. No.
2: (laughs)
0: I would have been all on board for that. No, no, no. And let me let me add this real quick. I think they could have possibly made them all sound better by making them all sound worse. Uh, Go with me for a second here. Yeah, I get you. Because Gates McFadden sounded like she recorded hers in 2021.
2: (laughs) They did. I said the same thing. (laughs) So they could
0: have probably added more value by dumbing everybody's voice down to that 1960s television quality. And then it wouldn't have been so obvious that we're jumping to um, TOS Spock, movie Spock, better quality. Uh, we're just jumping, all, you know, we're jumping all around and it just threw me out of it. And I hate myself for it.
2: <laughs> oh. Yeah. You're right. If they would have just like made it obvious recording quality, like just like a, like i just a recording playback for each line made it very obvious. Yeah. I, I could see that would have been even better. Yeah. And of course we get
0: the beautiful, beautiful visuals. the enterprise d nice and for that matter i think the enterprise the klingon bird of prey we got all of it looked so good i I really i really appreciate the work they put into it and even the stylistic choices they took with with odo and and all of the classic actors coming back they didn't look exactly like the real selves they kind of took a stylistic liberty which i thought it still worked
2: well, I kind of thought they were just kind of making it seem more like a holodeck recreation. And, you know, like it was purposely not exact because yeah. it was a holodeck simulation. I did. I mean, it was really bad with Odo.
0: Yeah, he looks way different. It's just They they were very stylistic with it. I, I, I was I was happy with what they did with it, you know.
2: Hey, so let me throw this out here. It's something that uh, it made me think about this when I saw the Enterprise D bridge come up and I got to think and I was like, It was just a good feel to see that bridge. And I was like, you know what? I think this is my favorite bridge of all Trek. So I was going to throw that question out to you. What would be your favorite bridge? So i always going to be
0: partial to the Voyager. The Voyager. Partial to Voyager's bridge. But I also like the uh, NX Enterprises bridge from from Star Trek Enterprise. Really? I liked it because it felt more like a submarine. You know, it felt more (laughs) close to (laughs) our... Close to you as you can get to our current time, you know?
2: Yeah, I, I, I get it. I get it. I kind of had a feeling you would tell you that, man. I, and I, I I It's never crossed my mind until I saw this and I got like that a uh, immediate good feels moment. And I was like, man, I think this is the favorite bridge set that I, I've seen.
1: Mm. I'm going to have to say Voyager. I love Voyager. But I think if I had to give a close second, it would be Discovery. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love how Discovery looks. Yeah. I'm not
2: a big fan of Discovery. And I guess because I just can't, I need a layout. Uh, I guess I need to look it up and like get a, a visual of it. Like, I just, right now, Discovery just looks like space and chairs and terminals. Like, it's no rhyme or reason. And I don't really know what's on either side. And which I know not all, most of the bridges, you can't really see what's on either side, but at least you have a general feel for the space and discovery. I'm just kind of lost in the bridge.
0: It does seem a lot bigger than the other bridges. So there's this one scene when we first get on the enterprise holodeck bridge, and there's a bunch of cum badges that pops up on the screen. There's actually some of some cum badges that appear that are from the USS relativity which is a season five Voyager episode. I think it's just called Relativity. The one where Seven and Nine works for the, the the time people, or the time <laughs> this the time portion of Starfleet, where she's going back and fixing time for Voyager to keep Voyager from being exploded. Yeah. You, you remember that?
2: I do. Yeah. One of my favorite episodes, even though I hate time stuff.
0: <laughs> but just surprising that that combadge badge would actually be in that list. It seems kind of weird that it would be there, but just something to point out. Which may have relevance in our the later part of this discussion when we get into Gwen's past. Any any other thoughts on the holodeck scenes before we jump into some uh, some of Gwen's stuff? What about what about Dow pulling a totally pulling a Boimler and saying, I'm not gonna quit this until I perfect it or or win this scenario? <laughs> exactly what Bormler did. Uh, on the Borg ship and the Hollow Pod in in the last season of Lower Decks.
2: Yeah, and it it, it very much r- reminiscent to that. I almost have to say a call out, but what really surprised me, guys, is he kind of almost beat it. He did, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't think it was really brought said or acknowledged, but like. Really, if he hadn't stuck his foot up there, he'd have won the no win scenario. Yeah,
0: (laughs) by sure and utter chaos. But, oh, oh, and before we pivot, I hate it when they play music in Star Trek when they're trying to do something. And the music is another thing that just threw me off. I'm like, at least play a song we know. They used to play like some random music at the climax of the episode. Uh, it.
2: It just threw me out. It threw me out, dude. I I love that song. I forgot what it was. It was horrible. It wasn't a real (laughs) song. You mean the music he played over the comps? Yeah. That was a yeah, it was. What was the, that's a rock song? That is not a real song, dude. Yes, it is a real song. Oh my and god, I don't remember it, so I have no idea. I'm going to find that song. It's something they made up. For. It is not. I promise you, it is not.
0: It, at least, at least in Star Trek: Trek Beyond, they play play like the Beastie Boys or something, you know?
2: <laughs> Clarence, I promise you, this is a well known song. I'm I'm going to find it. Shazam it. Let's shazam that ish. That song was ACDC Thunderstruck.
0: Are you really? Is it really? Yes. It sounds like a made-up song.
2: It is not. I love that song. It plays it's at the terrible. gym all the time.
0: It's terrible.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Okay, more respect, because I thought this song was horrible. But I guess if it was ACDC, I can give it a little respect.
2: Thunderstruck.
0: As I'm sure everybody listening was yelling at their podcatchers <laughs> while I was lambasting this. <sighs> Don't feel bad. I didn't know it either. I thought it was terrible. Anyway, anyway, good job, John. <laughs> Fact checking on the spot. But let's go ahead and pivot. Let's pivot. Let's talk a little bit about Gwen. Now, I feel really, really, really bad for Gwen at the very beginning of this episode when she's like she's she's changing over the course I, I don't over the course of these episodes. And I, I don't know if it's so much of her changing, but I think she's becoming She's embracing more of her natural goodness. You know, I think she's always been a good person, but she's un- been on the hand of her father. And you know how that goes. But she actually comes to Dal and, and and tells him, a thank you for saving me. And Dal just like totally messes it up by saying, oh, Janeway told us to go back and get you. And man, I just continue to feel for that character. But we do learn a lot about Gwen and her father in this episode. We get the explanation that zero was taken from his hive and he poses an even greater question why would the diviner choose this ship over his own daughter and furthermore did we get that question answered in this episode and let's just get into some of the flashback scenes w- what did we think about that flashback to the diviner and can we pose any theories about when that flashback took place and trying to tie it into where we are in the, the current timeline it's I, th- I think that's some timey-wimey stuff going on here, guys. I really
1: do. But any thoughts? I don't have a thought about the time. I have a question more about the father-daughter relationship. So I may want to hold that for a minute. But the time, I'm I'm kind of... I just assumed it was 18 years or so, 15 or 16 years ago. But again, that's just assuming.
2: I didn't get anything timey-wimey about it. Uh I should, I don't know. I really don't know what to think about this situation like they they have me at a loss for I
0: Well, the flashback takes place in Stardate 43929.9, which is yeah,
2: 17 years ago, which
0: is like season five of TNG somewhere in there 17 years ago. Again, that puts us in that error. And it also puts the current date of Prodigy five years after Voyager returned home. So we kind of got a time frame of what's going on now. But in that flash flashback 17 years ago now, we get the notion that they've been searching on Tars Lamora for years to find the USS Protostar. So we have this ship, this prototype ship with this advanced drive that they were looking for 17 years ago. And they have been looking for even longer than that. So my question is, like, how can this advanced ship be? created way back in that time and you know and we're not really Uh we haven't really riffed on that technology since then you know so did the ship get sent back to the past or it's just it's just throwing some theories in my head of like how does a the diviner know about it and how is it back in this time frame
2: and the fact that you know after it closed down i know we're jumping to the end but you get a A hologram representation of the old crew, and there goes a captain that we well know. So, I mean, obviously, Starfleet controlled this ship successfully after Voyager comes home. Yeah, yeah. So whatever happened, happened after that. So, yeah, so it would have to be a time something. And apparently,
0: the Diviner had... I think the diviner had something to do with the creation of the ship. I just it, it just seems like all, you know, all paths are pointing there, especially since we learned that his code is embedded within the ship, encrypted within the ship, his code, you know, his people's code. So either he worked on it, was maybe a scientist that, you know, had to do with the creation of it or something. I don't know. I just think there's a big story here that we're going to get that has a lot to do with the. His people and, and, and the diviner and the creation of this thing. So I'm I'm really anxious to get more of that information. So yeah. I'm going
1: to pose this question tying into what you've just been talking about, which is what is the diviner? That's what I'm interested in. And I specifically say not who is. I'm specifically asking it. What is?
0: Well, they did mention the order, something called the order in the flashback. As well, because when he mentioned spawning a new prodigy, he was talking about the order would be against it. It's a liability. So what is like you said? What is the diviner? What does that mean? Uh.
1: So can I ask my father and daughter question? Yeah, let's hear it. All right. So my father daughter question is, is she a clone of him? Hmm. It seems to be. I would I would say yes. I would say yes. I would I would say yes too just from what I saw, you know, but that's that's what led me then to my question, what is and could the diviner be some type of ooh 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 I'm connecting synapses here. Okay, so could the could the diviner somehow be a physical manifestation of a artificial intelligence entity? species of artificial intelligence Hmm. whatever's in other words that you're not organic you are electronic based life forms
0: possibly Hmm. but he says he's the last of his kind so what if he came from the future
1: i think he did (laughs) do you see where i'm trying to get this to connect the dots for me okay my thought is if he is an sentient electronic being what if he is maybe a descendant from the future of someone named zora
0: mm, maybe possibly mm. i don't know that's don't a stretch know. I, I know think that's, you, a stretch. Yeah, I think that's a stretch but it's control all <laughs> theories are on the table
2: <laughs> i don't know man it's it's you know i didn't even start hypothesizing anything because it's so wide open like i i i just didn't have anything to really grasp hold to I don't, but it I I do agree that this I'm ninety five percent sure Prometheus is from the future. But yeah, I'm pretty sure it's from the future. I just don't know why or And do we ever reconcile if we had heard the heard of a Prometheus on another ship in Trek before?
0: Uh the Prometheus we have, but not the Protostar.
2: Protostar, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. That's what why am I saying Prometheus?
0: Yeah, I don't think we have. I think this is all new. I think yeah. this drive is very interesting, but I it's hard for me to believe this drive was created seventeen years ago in the TNG era. But but who knows? Who knows? We had the the Spore Drive in the the TOS era, so <laughs> who knows? It could have been something that has been around a long time that was just a prototype that never got pushed forward.
2: Diviner could be a very future version of Romulan. Why, why? Why? So? Why? Why would you say that? Well, I'm just I'm going back. Number one, I mean, it's strangely familiar to some of the Romulan So we've seen. Think more toward the uh, Kelvin timeline, but it's uh that. And I was just when he said the order. So I'm trying to think like which species has orders. Hmm. And usually, if I remember correctly, like the Cardassians, Romulans. And the Vulcans, they, they all have certain subsets of people that's in an order. So I'm not sure. I don't know. Again, it's it's so it's so wide open. It's hard to say.
0: Yeah, yeah. But overall, I thought it was a pretty decent episode once I got past the issues I had with some of the sto- nostalgic parts of it. Yeah. So did anybody else have any other takeaways from this episode? Man, what is Murph? Man, I just totally ignored the Murph storyline <laughs> as I thought it was dumb. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is definitely for the kids. He's Duh. going to be an
2: important part of this
0: show. Thank you. <laughs> he's just a he's a yaffet knockoff from uh, the uh, the
2: Orville. I mean, well, I'm just saying. He, he, other than like he has no place really there, other than future implications and the fact that he can swallow a hundred plasma grenades and they explode and he survives.
1: All I'm going to say is I wish they would have come up with a different name because every time I say his name, I want to say Smurf, <laughs> not Murph. He is blue, <laughs> kind of. Blue and green.
0: Smurf. Now, do we know what his race is? Do we know anything about him? We don't. Because I was thinking we did get Odo in this episode. So what if he's like a... Changeling? Some, yeah, a changeling or a founder or something that kind of got locked in this weird, gelatinous state. I don't know. It just kind of popped in my head, but uh, that would be cool to know. Yeah, but Murph is very annoying at this point. Let's just—I <laughs> <laughs> think they just need, needed to give Murph and uh, Rock Talk something to do in this episode, so that, you know, <laughs> had to appease the kids. Let's eat some bombs and scare the crap out of Rock Talk. <laughs> but yeah, that's all I got, man. Um, decent episode, decent episode. You know, uh, I think you guys talked me up just slightly. Let's go to get ratings for the episode, and let's start
1: with you, Cal. You know what? I I'm going to give it a four. I, I think you brought me down a little bit, so. <laughs> uh, but 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 but, no. I, but 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 four is still good I, because you you made me see some parts that are hear some parts or maybe not hear some parts that I didn't hear. But regardless, still enjoyed it. So four four from me.
0: All right. What about you, John?
1: Um. Well, I. Uh
2: I do understand your hesitation about this episode. I do. But as I mentioned up top, just the, uh, simulation, the holodeck scene, like just that callback. And like I said, because those lines were ripped from other scenes and it immediately made me like just reminiscent of those t- great episodes. Like I just, I have to say this was a great episode. I, I'm going to say 4.8. And the only reason I'll say not five. It's because I feel like I've said it a couple of times. It's just it was too out in the open. Like, I do want to have I want to be able to theorize and kind of, you know, guess as to what they what this means. And they just really didn't leave me much to grasp on
0: For me, because those lines were taken from separate parts of Trek, <laughs> trick, <laughs> it threw me out of the freaking episode so hard it did. And, oh, man, originally my my honestly originally my rating for this episode is going to be like a 2.5 oh god (laughs) but 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 again talking to you guys talking to tasha and her team it really brought me up man it really brought me up so i'm going to land at about a 4.1
2: yeah wow that's a great improvement
0: (laughs) it, it is because you know um another thing i didn't really i was so thrown off by the voices i really didn't pay attention to the part that i really loved about this episode which is the theorizing on gwen and the scope that Gwen and the Diviner are bringing to the episode you know i really loved all of that and i guess we didn't even talk about how the protostar drive took them what 4000 light years in that little amount of time yeah. from the del- from the deltas to the gamma quadrant so all of the other stuff besides the nostalgic tidbits that threw me out i really loved and you brought me up a little bit on the nostalgia and the flashbacks and it was good to see those characters come back even if it was just voice clips from other stuff um <laughs> it still was good to see that so i think i'm gonna land at a 4.1 after all of that so guys thank you once again for listening if you have any feedback for the episode you can send that in to fans at dot or hit us up at discussing trek on any and all social medias And you can also use those outlets to respond to Trek trivia. John, do you have any Trek trivia for us this week? And do we want to answer last week's question?
2: Uh, yes. And yes, (laughs) let's go for it. (laughs) So the last Trek trivia, and I'm not looking at my notes, so I'm, I'm not going to phrase this exactly how I asked it last, but, uh, so we know, um, NASA created the space shuttle program and, One of their shuttles, they named the Enterprise, and they changed that name to the Enterprise after an influx of fan letters requesting the change. Uh, So my question was, what was the original name of that particular shuttle? I only know because I just Googled it. (laughs) Really? (laughs) (laughs) Cheater. (laughs) So the original name was the Constitution. Yeah, which isn't a bad name, by the way. Which, you know, kinda they could have responded to Trek fans and say, Well, you know, constitution, the yeah. Enterprise was constitution class, yeah. you know, you yeah. know. So uh but yeah, that was that was pretty interesting. I didn't know that until I found that went researching that question. Uh my next question and this is gonna be kinda out there, guys, so uh just bear with me. So we uh, noticed you pointed out the uh relativity com badges in the display on the holodeck. So if you think back to that episode of uh, Voyager relativity, there was a pull-in shot of the dedication plate on the USS relativity. And there was a awesome quote on that. And I'm going to ask you if you knew that quote, and I know you don't because I didn't notice it. I noticed the plaque, but I never read the quote. So Not really a question, but it's just kind of good tidbit information. So the quote was, it says on there, which they're theorizing that this is a quote from Einstein. But on the plaque, it says the quote was from E.M. Roch, which we don't know who that is. But the quote is, the only reason for time is so that everything doesn't happen all at once.
0: Hmm. Well, I guess in the end, it really is all (laughs) relative.
2: (laughs) I just thought that was a pretty good quote to have on a dedication plaque on a ship that monitors and polices time. Yeah, that's pretty cool.
0: Do we ever find out in the episode how that ship travels through time? Does it talk about the tech at all? I don't remember.
2: No, I think I think they said it was classified, or like didn't really mention it was all classified things. But I'm sure it has something to do with <laughs> opening up a singularity in some yeah. space and something.
0: Mm, yeah, but thank you all for joining. It's always great to have the crew on board to talk about some Star Trek, Star Trek Prodigy back in the swing of things. Um, so, yeah, it's been fun. So, guys, again, you can hit us up on all of those outlets fans at discussingtrek.com or at discussingtrek on any and all social medias. Thank you for joining as always, and until next time, live long and prosper. Hey guys, it's Sergio from Reality Breached. We've got a bunch of different podcasts over on our network at realitybreach.com, and one of my favorites is Shellheads, a TMNT podcast. Shellheads is a deep dive into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in ways you've never heard before. From the early comic days to the current Nick show, nothing is off limits. Jeff... From the Warp Zone Arcade joins me to binge watch and power read
2: through a comprehensive library of TMNT fandom. Check Shellheads out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. For more details,
1: visit realitybreached.com. You've been listening to The Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com.